Thank you for joining me, Mark Grixtie, for this invitation to explore deeper together into the divinity, science, spaciousness, and intuition of hurt and healing with awe in trauma. So well, welcome so much to Awe in Trauma. I've got Jeff Ryan with me and Bob Cole, and it's just such a pleasure to kind of, as we were just touching on there, just to drop down and do some explorations into the kind of fascinations and discoveries and developments that you're, you're kind of experiencing along the way and uh, just to be able to reflect and feel into those with you would just be such a pleasure. So I'll just give you some space to introduce yourselves and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, so I, I'm Jeff Ryan, and uh, I've, I was really excited uh, for the invitation. Um, when when you first, uh, so I'm a you know a licensed psychotherapist, and uh, work you know predominantly with addictions and trauma and dissociation, uh, but but I would also consider myself to be you know someone that is um, you know a seeker by by nature and always wanting to explore new things and and. Uh, and, and a spiritual journey has definitely been a part of my, my journey. And, and uh, you know, Bob and I first met in meditation as, as where we, you know, kind of got to know each other. So uh, that's, that brings us together too, is, is our, you know, our, our uh, wanting to understand ourselves and also, um, you know, understand the world around us too. So, so thanks for uh, letting us join you today, Mark. Absolutely. Well, I'm fascinated already. <laughs> Thank you. And to meet someone in meditation, that's quite a challenge, but you've managed to pull it off the two of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Hi, Bob. Yeah. So I'm Bob Cole. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, we were uh, talking earlier a bit about uh, how to present ourselves. And, and uh, so I'll, I'll take a little slice of that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm a physician now, and uh, I have a, a practice. I'm actually a radiation oncologist as a, a day gig, uh, and uh, I'm actually entering now into a transition of, of decreasing uh, my responsibilities there, and uh, to do more of this. And, and uh, this has been uh, a path for me over the last at least five years for sure into kind of rediscovering my body and in some ways my meditation coming back in uh, to my body. And as that happens, it's informing me uh, constantly. And, uh, and, and in some ways, I'm here to represent what's been happening to me and articulate it the best I can. And, and that's usually kind of a poor job. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I'm doing my best to stand up for it and uh, to, to uh, kind of articulate the best I can. Uh, this constant uh, uh, vulnerability in this trying to talk about experience, which seems to be impossible. So um, that's kind of where Jeff and I meet too, uh, in both our personal and professional interest of wanting to create environments for both uh, each other to kind of grow in this mm -hmm. and learn in this and, and, and share and, and not necessarily teach, but kind of offer in some ways a uh, manifest and, and a growing area so that's that's kind of where we're meeting today i think yeah mm. well wonderful um yeah it's so hard isn't it to talk about the power of the nonverbal. it's almost like we have to step out of the world we're talking about to try and make sense of it in a way that never quite connects and but but what i'm already getting from both of you is um there's something transcendental transformative happening at the moment i can feel some excitement about some kind of shifts and changes happening would that would that be fair yeah i'd say that uh you know I, I, thanks bob for for bringing this back to the body in terms of it's it really is for both of us been a journey back to ourselves and back to our bodies i uh, uh you know one of, i think the nature of being you know being human is to be you know disconnected and and uh I, I didn't even realize for years when I was meditating that I was basically just dissociating the whole time that I was meditating that I, I, I didn't know that that's what I was doing because that, that was just normal <laughs> behavior for me. And that was uh, a great experience. A great experience too, right? Like I could sit through, you know, just these super uncomfortable experiences and be just really disembodied the whole time. And, and so, so 
waking up to that was, uh, was, was, has been, you know, quite a journey for, for, for me. And I, I, uh, can't speak for Bob, but it's, you know, both of us just bumping into each other and also, uh, exploring this process of becoming more embodied and, and then wanting to see if we could bring our awarenesses out to help others was, was really exciting when it, when it came from just the personal and, and started to roll out into, you know, more of a, a way, you know, to help, to help us and to help the world around us and, you know, the natural world, especially. Mm, mm. And here the, the power of that discoveries and those moments of transcendental moments around and the, the body being so central in those I'm, I'm interested in your this <laughs> lovely relationship between dissociation and meditation and uh, I was I was in France uh, a few years ago on a like a silent retreat for a week and um, we, we'd have a kind of a kind of a satsang a kind of a, a group get together at a certain point every evening where the very wise and experienced kind of guides into all our meditations would encourage us to write down, because it was a silent retreat, to write yeah. down um, questions. And then in his great kind of wisdom and guru-like status would kind of deliver these kind of deep wisdoms. And and, I, I, and one of mine was say, could you say a bit about the difference between meditation and dissociation? And he, he read out my question, furrowed his brow, screwed it up and said no idea what you're talking about and and then moved on and I was like oh man it really meant a lot to me so your 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 journey your experience with that I'm not looking for definitions but your 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 experience with that uh, Jeff about the meditation dissociation I suppose that some places this may overlap and some places be quite different in a way you know yeah I think I think in Bob believes I mean to jump into this I mean I think that I think that I think, you know, not to make these grand kind of pronouncements about the world, but a lot of uh, and a lot of us are walking around pretty disconnected beings and and uh, and disembodied beings. And and, uh, um, and and a lot of us have been empowered to be these these quote intellectual beings. Right. You know, where we exist in our minds in ways that are, you know. Uh, really un- unnatural and and right. and and not uh, you know not very connected and so uh, and unfortunately uh, you know meditation can be a pathway to empower that uh, at times and and it, it it really has the potential to bring people you know in some ways back into their bodies more right yeah yeah, yeah. so for me I just give you I, I can tell kind of an anecdotal story is when I started meditation actually it was quite difficult for me uh, I had done a lot of training almost kind of a masochistic training you know to kind of be strong and good and so when I sat still it's my body would just cram cram and I would just sit right in it and in that I actually had some really great experiences just kind of I mean massive dissociation just blew up you know you know, idea about self and all that. And, and being a, a Zen teacher and, and uh, sitting for many years like that, it almost was like, well, yeah, there's no self. It just completely explodes. However, like if I tried to sit uh, uh, and eat in that same position, I couldn't eat because I'm, my body's just like in this sympathetic response. It's basically traumatized. I can't parasympathetically eat because I would throw up. So yeah, it felt great. I could cross my legs and get into something. And but but if I tried to relax and settle down, you know, it's like food wouldn't go in. <laughs> so, you know, so this uh, talk about this in Bob, uh, you know, uh, so someone who hasn't, uh, you know, who has that kind of almost physical raw trauma in their body and they sit on top of that. It just offers that opportunity to explode out of that to me in dissociation um, and from my personal experience. And now that's almost all of basically setting up the game. If you want to talk about some sort of strong dog, you know, all those years of sitting like that. Now, when it turns opposite, you know, like there's so much going on because I just wrap so much inside. So I'm like, you're, you know, you know, a case study and you know, let's really tie it all in and dissociate it. Now let's try to undo it. You're like, Oh, there's a lot there. Yeah. So um, anyway, I think it's a great question because a lot of meditation masters 
don't have the experience of dissociation because they're they are more comfortable in their body so they don't know how to even enter it and so i think uh maybe the service i could offer is i you know i did it that you know in this american body that has not been set up to mm. calmly uh-huh. embody it I, I i didn't have that I like that. I mean, what, what's landing for me is the kind of taking a sort of non-dualistic approach to dissociation in a way. It's like not, and I quite like looking at opposites initially, only so I can then smash them up and go all over the place. But, but <laughs> if for me, the opposite of dissociation is association. What are we failing to or stopping associating to? And if it's associating to inner pain, which is emotional stroke, physical, and so often they're the same thing, aren't they? then that dissociation moves us further away for something. But, but certain people who may not have experienced that trauma, that embodied trauma, may be in a zen-like state, but not be kind of also being removed and dissociated and removed from some kind of innate wisdom, some kind of inner message that's coming through that is quite painful, it sounds like, the way you described it, Bob. And I can relate to that myself, but very painful when you do kind of associate with something that's quite powerful in an embodied way. I think that's a great way to look at it because, you know, doing the Zen meditation, you always revolves around the question, like you say, almost association, disassociation. Where do we, where do we get in there? And for me right now, uh, the question is, uh, you know, how, how do you feel? Not just physically, but can you feel some of those things that are so uncomfortable that you don't want to be there? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we ask that for people who come, come, right. But I mean, can I find a place that makes me so uncomfortable that I want to leave? And, and that in an emotional way um, is, is, is a little bit different than the meditation question of just like no self, like that's a, you know, and when you ask uh, that, that, that place inside that says, there's no other place I want to be. Can I do anything to be away from this place? <laughs> And we, we have all these ways to get around it. And I think meditation can be a way around that too. Um, and so I, I like your way in as far as, uh, uh, can you ask your question to say, am I willing to experience the thing that makes me the most uncomfortable and, and to find that? And uh, you know, that, now that's a practice. Yeah. Uh, changes the dynamic. You know? And and you know when we approach it from an embodied way it's it's uh um you know there's a lot to there's a lot to learn about how to work with that embodied process um because you know a dissociation is not a bad thing it's this you know this this wonderful adaptation right it like it allowed me to sit in meditation for for you know in in many ways but it also um you know, kept me from being able to, to, to really see these things. I mean, in, in one example in my own life, right. I mean, um, I didn't realize that, you know, that I was like tortured as a kid and like made to sit in a desk where I was actually duct taped to a desk as a really tiny child. Right. And, and basically my body didn't realize that when I was sitting in meditation, that I was sitting and and really just reenacting that same process <laughs> over and over the association didn't happen inside of me right it 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 uh and it and it kept kind of like running away from that as far as not to to feel into that and 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 once i was able to feel into that and move through that the experience now of being in my body and sitting in meditation is a different experience right it's actually this you know this process of not uh, of actually being able to um, be more relaxed and moving towards things, right? Like there's more openness and more access and more, you know, at times, you know. So, so just these these awarenesses and um, and this process has, you know, the awakenings that we found from this, um, you know, that Bob and I have been exploring together. We've been basically meeting for, I mean, we started together, I mean, you know, five or six years ago in meditation and, you know, uh, and it led to over the last few years, really sitting and having these, uh, you know, coffee discussions and also self-exploration meetings for the last few years, just to, to really try to, 
to develop our own selves, but also to develop this, uh, um, these awarenesses that we could, um, you know, begin to bring it out to other people. Um, we have, it's like we used ourselves as laboratories and then, you know, and then brought it and then it said, well, can we do this with others? Then we tried and started trying to see like, what happens if we try this with someone else and, oh, it works. Like, Hey, well, guess what? It works with other people too. Yeah. That's lovely. I mean, in a way, the way you described that, if it strikes me, it kind of <clears throat> mirror, mirrors the kind of process of meditation a bit where, uh, how, how does some people put it? Um, you, you, you identify less with the actors and more with the audience. You move from actor to witness, you know, you, and you, you're trying it on yourselves and then kind of stepped out and seeing how other people, which I suppose gives you something of a, another level of meta position on the process. Yes. through working with others in that way and yeah and how fascinated with what with I mean do you want to talk a bit about how it looks uh, is or is that too simplistic a question the, the kind of work you've been doing at the moment no I, th I think you you come about a very important part and, and the practical way I would say that instead of um you know the meta way of looking at it is in a very practical way is following you know, this, this idea of not necessarily being completely overwhelmed and engaged in whatever's happening because it just blows your mind to the, you're caught into your complete consciousness. But if part of your meta uh, 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 position within that, it, it's following what's going on, either in yourself or someone else. Mm. And, and you're following with a little bit of this trust and, and a little bit of this kind of safety feel, a way of following but it is, it is a secondary position. It's not like I'm in charge of this. I'm going to take this somewhere. It says, where is this going to go? And how do I learn to trust this? And how do I follow it? And literally, if I'm working on a body, someone will say, oh, Bob, that was such a genius move. And I'm thinking, or I tell them, no, actually, I was just following wherever you were going. Because it's the tendency for them is to say, oh, you did something so genius. And I'm saying, no. I was just following what I felt for you over and over again. And so I think that's a very practical and good question. I see. So there's multiple layers. You're following your person, your client, whilst they're following their process. And there's this kind of chain of following happening. And in a way, you're modeling and holding the space so they can do that, right? Right. Uh -huh. I see. Oh, this is fascinating. And of course, lighten up light bulbs for me as well, because as Jeff knows, I'm a a brain spotting person as well, which is a, a big part of what we try to continually discipline ourselves to do, sometimes more successfully than others, but to stay in the following <laughs> rather yeah. than in front of. Um, hard to do because we're always working with our own following as well, as you were talking about there, Bob, you know. Uh, yeah, I'd love to comment on that. Yeah, just for a second, because of course, what's happening when you're working with somebody is, is you're feeling a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course. You know, uh, and, and you should be. The other thing, too, is I'll, I'll just share a little something that just happened yesterday is a, a, a person said to me, oh, you know, I loved when you just stood there and you didn't do anything. And I'm thinking to myself, I stood there because I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to help. I didn't know what you're doing. Should I even be doing anything? And then, you know, the comment afterwards was that was just so genius. You know, I'm like. Oh, that was funny. You know, it, it reinforced, um, you know, in some ways that point where um, that logical mind meets something where it needs to do something, you know, that place in brain spotting you probably get too many times where like, uh, where, you know, where, uh, it just was in such physical, real 3D time that we just sat there and did nothing together for what seemed like an unreasonable period of time. Hardest thing to do, isn't it? To do nothing. <laughs> but the not knowing, the not knowing, it strikes me, it kind of inhibited something that was going to get in the way in the space of something more powerful happening. The knowing almost fills the space and blocks something. It inhibits something more powerful coming through. And your meditators, you're kind of well-versed in this. But this is also something I think in brain spotting and in training brain spotting, one of the famous lines of David Grant's, he's got many, but one is you're not doing, hold on, what is it? You're not doing less, you're doing differently. But I think this, the power of the inhibition creates a space for something very 
something other, something different to come through, which, which is what it sounds like in your sessions, um, you're really encouraging and, and, and your your client yesterday really benefited from that, Bob. Is that, is that the kind of thing? Is that, we wanna... Oh yeah, right on. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's amazing in terms of that. And it, it uh, you know, it, there's this deepening of, you know, for me, as far as the brain spotting process, that is, um, um, you know, because I mean, you know, and I know I can get geeky with you, Mark, as far as because, you know, to your level of knowledge. And, but, you know, I think I think that um, even the construct a lot of times is me being just the, the expert, right, or sitting across from somebody and and being the, you know, the person in charge of the process or the person holding the pointer, you know, just sets up this dynamic at times that, um, you know, can get in the way. And, and uh you know, just being aware of, of that. But, um, you know, my, my main point is, is that there, uh, there's this deepening and, and, and when they're also opening the process up so that anything can happen is, is something that is, is really important and inviting clients to listen inside themselves to what needs to happen. And, and physical movement is one of those things that, is starting to happen more and more with people is, is that their bodies, you know, want to express this energy rather than just sit there in a, you know, placid state. And, and so how does the process, you know, truly invite people, you know, into a way that, um, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that just came up for me, Bob, as far as, you know, the difference between having, you know, laying in a more massage oriented, for lack of a better, you know, construct, right? If, if I'm using a more somatic oriented approach, it communicates one thing to a client in some ways, like they're, they're invited to be more physical in that process than if they're sitting in a psychotherapy session, they're invited to be less physical or they're, you know, and I think that these are some of these, you know, these boundaries of, of trying to wrestle with that. And, and I don't have any answers. So those are some of the things that I'm still trying to figure out as far as how do we, you know, how do we have something that really is offers this great invitation, right. you know, and this great exploration, you know, to, to both of us in that moment. Wow. I like that. So, so in psychotherapy, because of all of the sort of social rules and etiquette throughout for maybe a hundred years or so that have come there's this kind of implied somatic dissociation where we can be in psychotherapy <laughs> just just like meditation right so so the person i come in sit on the cushion right you know it's almost like we we invite the client to come in and just not be in their bodies right you know just mm -hmm. come in and, and sit and not be engaged yeah this is beautiful and it's kind of getting into much more it sounds like more liberation and freedom for the entire self including the the body and the movement the dynamic self um how does that how does that look how's it manifested how, how are you experiencing that in your work oh what a great question it makes me want to just just fly back and and, and show you because um I, I think the way in, uh, well, first of all, I, I think what you guys have been touching on, and I'll just tell you my practical story in it. For me, there's like a little flashback to second grade. And, and I'm one of those kids in the classroom that is disruptive. You know, I got, I got to move. And of course, you know, I, this is so boring for me. I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm already, you know, I've read the little numbers, you know, or the letters or the colors. We had colors different book systems you know i'm like so bored i can't sit still and you know i had some nuns at the time that helped me physically with sitting still and and still um with that uh program to sit still is really one of my traumas which led me to probably sit 30 years in meditation right you know you're just drawn towards it and uh to not trust in my own movement instead of someone saying you know run around it's okay you can learn your algebra tables or whatever your multiplication tables while you're moving or having and now uh that manifest of movement looks more like a yawn and more like expressing and uh 
And I'm also fascinated a little bit with Joe Cocker uh, as he sings uh, or um, Stevie Wonder, because he's got no reference of anybody else. You know, he's blind, so he doesn't know that there's artificial rules on how to move, even us now. He moves like how he feels. Um, so uh, I'm really interested in some of those kind of, and, and there's a lot of crying uh, once you touch certain parts of your body or screaming or those, those hot spots in our body are meant to be felt fully with our voice and our movement. And oh, and once that, that's integrated now in us, that's part of us. Mm. It's been dissociated now. It's, and it doesn't just move away. It's now, you know, ready for consumption because now you like, oh, you know, there's the second grader, you know, he's, he's back, he's moving. Oh, and now he's, part of the game you know so anyway that's a, a long-winded story oh it's lovely it brings up so much and i just got a flashback <laughs> of uh, your school days got gave me a flashback of mine as, <laughs> i was a bit too active in class um and on various school trips as i recall i won't go into details but it was age 16 uh, i got called in by the year head because of my activation which was fine in the sporting field I did really well there but in the classroom was less respected and I was told to leave the school and never come back and that was the end of my education career for at least six years until my way back well that's a great story it wasn't so great when I wasn't sure if I'd find my way back in but I eventually (laughs) now I look fondly on that young part who was uh, kind of mischievous but at the same time you know well-meaning I think yeah that was really true for me too yeah with um with that idea or you know your, your experience of the the experiential side of your, you know your clients and the, that schoolboy moving into that movement and those listening to podcasts bob was moving his hands and pushing it away and kind of there's something really kind of somatic rising up and through you it's almost like you know sometimes we've because of dissociations that we've been kind of, I suppose, socialized into, that we see kind of movements like that sometimes more as performance. If I shout, if I scream, if I move and hit my fist, it, it feels more of a performance, like a, a secondary rather than a natural reaction and response to something. And right. when I'm working with ch- children, because I work with children as well as adults, they have no problem in expressing themselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of a genuine kind of somatic kind of exploration. Then they get told they've got ADHD and blah, 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 but not by me, but that happens. So when you're working with clients and maybe they're a bit older, maybe they're adult clients, <clears throat> is it, is it, do you find many clients, and I'm sure there's a whole range, will easily move into their movement or will some be very inhibited feeling that it feels like a bit of a performance, like I'm showing off and that kind of so, thing? So, you know, there's this mirroring effect that happens inside of us at times. And so as the, the practitioner sitting across, I can, I can, you know, feel this, you know, feel this, say this, this, this need to, to move. And I might, you know, I might just put it just a little bit of an invitation. Like it feels like you, you want to move or, or it, it, it feels like your voice wants to say something there or, you know, so looking for those, those moments to in, invite that into that process. But, um, but, but definitely, um, I think how we set the stage and how we, how we invite into the process is really part of it. And the more that we can be aware of how you know, in brain spotting, we talk about how we set the frame, right? You know, and I think that if the frame is set where it's like, you know, this the psychotherapist sits across from me and, and sits in this very stationary movement and doesn't move at all, uh, what does that communicate? And 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 it is the challenge if I'm using a, a fixed eye position, it is a challenge to 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 not be this interactive process. But I think that. In, in some ways, the, the interaction between us is, and it's one of the things that I've learned, you know, in between us is, is that the, you know, your energy is what invites me to use my energy or, you know, or, or you being in tune with yourself really is, is, is inviting the other person into their 
um, you know, expression. And, and, and so it, it is this dance. It's like dancing, I, I guess, is, is really this, you know, this process that happens. Um, and, and I'm constantly trying to get out of the way of the dance because I have all of this, once again, all of these rules that keep getting in my way and, and, and my psychotherapy training a lot of times gets in the way, right? It's like, I, I want to, you know, reflect this, you know, use a cognitive reflection or some, you know, garbage like that. And, uh, you know, rather than, you know, just being there and that, you know, with them and that, you know, in their body in that moment. Oh, that's really powerful. So you, the, the kind of the power of the interrelationship, the connectivity to drop, maybe inhibit to a certain extent, the intellectual capacity to interpret and to be able to speak into things frees you up, if I've got this right, Jeff, to kind of connect into your body. And there's something happening between you and a resonance between you and your client that can feel quite dynamic and feel like there's I don't know, sway movement happening. I suppose it could be internal or it could be more kind of observable, more external as well. Is that right? Yeah, it's, I think it's a piece that I've learned from you, Bob, as far as just how that and, and you know, and I think I think I'm still learning a lot about it. I think you have much more of awareness of this, you know, the the relationship piece of it. There's there's movement inside of of, you know, of the person. There's expression inside the person. But then there's you know, there's, there's the interrelatedness of it. Though. Yeah, I, I would, I, there's two little things I'd like to break apart here. Number one, yeah. um, Mark, you talked about uh, kind of a consciousness. I, I think there is creating a consciousness, like a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, let's say we, we saw someone moving in a very, um, uh, let's say some of my early unwinding, for example, were very violent. Ah, I felt a lot of violence in there. And, and, you know, if we were a different era, that would be like, maybe this is an exorcism. You know, that's our consciousness and way we're working like this. And uh, for me, it was very healing. <laughs> but someone helped me with that consciousness aspect. The second part, though, that, that Jeff is touching on that's more interesting, actually, is I do find like there's a, a, a little in our community, a little catchphrase like in, in unwinding. You can't take anybody to a place that you haven't been. And what that talks about is this innate mirroring. I think we're genius about walking in a room. Like when I saw you immediately, Mark, I was like, I like this guy. I don't know why. He hasn't opened his mouth yet. The way you move, whatever. And like there was immediate like, I got something good vibes. You know, I think we are built on such a deep level. We're geniuses in this way. And we're, then we can't, well, you know, I don't know. Am I overjudging him? You know, is it the beer? You know, I mean, we then... (laughs) I don't know. So uh, we kind of get in the way of this. Yeah, I like this guy. I trust him. I'd love to have a pint with him. You know, too bad we can't do that on internet, you know. Um, So uh, I think that mirroring uh, is underappreciated. And I want to tell you one quick story. I'm in a very classic medical environment, and I was going through some deep unwinding at the time, very emotional. And what happened in some of my clients, some of my patients, I'm a very traditional clinic, you know, they, they were starting to unwind in my clinic. People I was just seeing on follow-ups and stuff, they said, I have cramping in my leg. I have a lot of cramping. I'm like, well, this is unusual. I have another patient. They're cramping a lot. Can you give me something for the cramping? So during a, a very difficult period for my unwinding, I, I started, people started, some poor little ladies who are wonderful, 84-year-old woman says, I have cramps I've never had before. I'm like, dude, I, I, you know, I don't 100% know if that's just serendipitous, but I have a feeling that they were kind of mirroring something. And, you know, I, I was, so anyway, I don't know. Yeah. I think Stephen Porges talks about this a lot in his kind of social awarenesses and how, you know, we are these, these, you know, Porges is this great, you know, in terms of polyvagal theory stuff. It's, and I think, I think, you know, I, we are these very connected beings. And I, I think that they're, you know, and, and, and that's the other dissociation that I think is I'm working through as a person is my dissociation between people. Right. You know, like, I think that that, you know, as I'm getting more embodied, it's also working on any levels of, of disconnectedness that I have between me and others. And, um, 
And there are, you know, various levels of that. And, you know, why did I choose to sit in silent meditation? Well, it's because I'm, you know, I'm pretty, uh, you know, it, you know, in terms of like, uh, I like to be by myself. I like to be disconnected. And so there's, you know, there's, there's some communication about that. And so how do we, you know, unwind some of that and, and work into some of those pieces too. I mean, I bump into that in, I mean, brain spotting has been in some ways this great, I literally have become a deeper person through the process of doing brain spotting in so many ways because my system has been repeatedly exposed over and over and over and over, good and bad, right? It's definitely taken some hits in a in a stressful sense too, but in a in an evolutionary sense, I mean, I've become more connected because of you know having to bump up into these moments with people, and I'm. You know, and I think that that, you know, is really, really powerful. Gosh, yeah, really, really powerful. And what I'm hearing is this lovely, I suppose I'd frame it as a sort of very non-dualistic way of understanding the interconnectivity of all things. Perhaps, you know, you have this idea of, of consciousness that you're talking about there as well, Bob. Um, you know, if I could, my understanding of consciousness is that when we actually start to step outside the very kind of, divisive compartmentalized categorical sort of more left brain neocortical understanding of of our existence and I am marked because I'm wrapped up in this hair and this skin and this is my being um then we you know if we let go of that there's a kind of interconnectivity with all things and as, as you're saying you know this sense of a gut sense and intuition of of feelings and emotions that are shared and passed between us you know a bodily level problem below the the you know the kind of below the conscious awareness, you know, into a deeper sense of self. And I love that because sometimes, you know, in certain jobs and in certain professions and perhaps um, as therapists, we have more permission these days, perhaps not in our trainings, but these days to drop down into that deep connection where you're not even sure where you end and your person you're working with begins. There's something energetic, very powerful going on between you and within you. Whereas in some professions, I'm sure, if you've got five minutes to do a consultation as a GP uh, every few minutes and you've got someone you don't want them coming in and, and opening up. <laughs> well, that's a tricky question. That's something else. We'll have to yeah. save that for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think there's all sorts of restrictions and professional defences that we've learned to bring in to protect us, but it might not necessarily be for the higher healing of the people we're working with. But what you're opening up to me is this level of embracing the power of the implicit interpersonal connectivity and all is one consciousness while still being able to sequester it enough to still hold on to your individual identity and to function alongside that yeah uh, you know I, I, I think that's part of the consciousness that that uh, can support the experience and I think that's great and, and what I by being a um, um, involved in the Zen community so long, we, we got to be really careful with those words because they so immediately become a belief system, right? You know, that's what, I, that's what we do. Like, oh yeah, Mark, interconnectivity. And then we kind of riff into this, into kind of some little system of, of mutual belief, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the rediscovering over and over again is to find words that that support and, and let's just say for me lately the words and, and this will change because it's cringeable looking back what I said even a year or two ago so I'm going to enter a cringeable moment or all these are cringeable right and and stepping into honesty like I think we're built to be little honest machines like we actually have a, a machine that measures when you lie right and it works most of the time because your skin goes and like what is that we have something that actually is an honesty detector. So in a practical way, when we start to our honesty into our lack of separateness, for example, we, we do feel connected. There, there's a genuine experience in that kind of honesty that aligns and it feels good. You know, you feel the love or whatever words, and a softness in your chest and an opening and your voice changes and it becomes more like this instead of, hey, you know, mm-hmm. stay away from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you can sense that uh, stepping into this kind of vortex of honesty together, you know, you're just kind of stepping into something. So in, in that practical way, that's been helping me lately. Uh, those words seem to support what's happening to me. 
So another way of talking about the same exact thing and just scooching the words around because at this stage of my life, some of those words can become cringeable in the sense that it's a belief system for a lot of people that I, I, I meditate with. And they've lost some of their, ugh, you know, they've become kind of, oh, okay. Man, yeah, sounds good, Mark. Yeah, I believe in that too. Yeah, it's kind of like, so yeah. in some ways, looking for words to support the experience. I, mean, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if I went off too far there. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely hear you. And it's a very difficult thing to do to conceptualize and communicate what you're doing without strongly relying on the parts of our brain that do crunch things down, soundbite things, package them, and then are open to abuse. We've seen this through religions for many years. Um, <laughs> I think they started off with the intention. Amen, brother. <laughs> where they ended up. So, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot there. And, and thanks for saying those words. I mean, love, truth, authenticity, and love. And I think... For me, they're the guiding principles of whatever sophisticated technicalities we want to put around the work that we do. And I'm a clinical psychologist by training, which is just so drenched in professional defences and, and <laughs> pseudo bollocks, really. Excuse the French. That um, that we kind of uh, you know blindfolded and blinkered and having to work through so many filters before we even meet the person we're working with. And you know, it's taken me years to start stripping back the layers of that. And, and it comes back to love for me. And I love that word love. And of course, that's also become full of connotations and meanings and misappropriations and all kinds of things. But the, mean, the sense of whatever love means to you, to, to each person, I think you know, that's where connection and, and healing so often reside. And that's a place that can sometimes only, I think, really be fully felt into in the silence, whether you're working with someone with love, with a friend with love, with a lover with love. Sometimes it's within a silence. Something, again, is created uh, a space for something very deep and powerful. So, yeah, I do get that. Thanks, Bob, for clarifying. That. And I I, um, I completely agree with you. And there's a podcast, so we're relying so heavily on words. <laughs> it seems a little bit disingenuous. <clears throat> let, let me see. Could, let me ask you a question that I've probably got no permission to ask, but it's one that I, it's, I'm really fascinated by because I've started doing my own uh, kind of retrograde, kind of retrospective learning, going back into all of these old approaches. And now my learning kind of got to about 2020. And then since then, it's gone back and I'm in about 1947 now in, in terms of my <laughs> learning things. Wonderful. Go backwards to go forwards. And I've been really fascinated because a lot of the conversations we've had today just keep bringing me back. I think, well, can I mention this? Is it appropriate? And then I think, whatever, I can do what I want. And so, but it keeps bringing me back to some of the discoveries now, now being rediscovered in the powers of plant medicine in, um, in using, um, you know, ayahuasca, psilocybin, you know, kind of mushrooms, um, these kind of things. And there's, there's a growing kind of resurgence now, renaissance, if you like, in using plant medicines to deal with deep embodied and emotional <clears throat> issues. And, and often, I don't want to do it a disservice, but a lot of the really beautiful, I think, very poetic and creative writing about using plant medicine is about this. It's about stepping outside and beyond the egoic consciousness, the thinking brain, the words, the words, the words, into something so much deeper and as you were saying earlier both of you to not predict but to meet whatever comes up and to go with it because it's going to take you where you need to go mm -hmm. and if it's too scary you need to be in a relationship so somebody can hold and guide you through that process mm -hmm. you know it's not something mm -hmm. to be taken lightly plant medicine i dropped that in it's just a little disclaimer but the power <laughs> <laughs> So, so there seems to be so many beautiful access points into what we're talking about here that we lost sight of, and it feels like almost like this kind of rediscovering. Mm -hmm. hmm. I, I think that over to you to do whatever you want to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to tell you that I was really skeptical of it when it first started, and and I had to to be you know to be completely honest, I had to work through my own uh, you know previous experiences with with uh, plant medicine from my childhood. That was not helpful and damaging, you know, because I, there, there are, you know, negative experiences with that. And I, I, I think that there is the possibility for, for that reconnection that, you know, you know, is possible. Um, but I also think that I, I, I'm really skeptical of, of uh, a medical system 
doing justice to that. And I, I feel like the medical system and the psychotherapy system is, and, and of course there needs to be some protections put in place for people. And, and because it, it, uh, um, but I, I, I worry that the system's just going to, um, completely, you know, capitalize that and just, you know, kind of make it into, um, because it's like everywhere, you know, as far as something that at least in the States, I mean, there's definitely, you know, a lot of people that are getting, you know, overly excited about it. And, and it comes back to, to me, Bob, in terms of one of the things that we were saying before when we started and, and, and you said it really nicely in the sense that there, there is this natural healing that we, we want to say as a, as a, as a brain spotter, as an unwinder, as whatever, that there is something that I have to do in order to evoke that from somebody but that is within us all the time. Like the natural ability to heal is in us all the time. It's around us. And, and um, I think the delusion that we have is just that, you know, somehow I, I can do something to help you into that. And, and uh, you know, and, and not that I don't have my job and my responsibility to be um, to, to join people, but, but ultimately, you know, that that really is inside of everybody. And, and, uh, and, 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 and that it's, you know, that exists and we don't need to, we need to get out of the way of it in a lot of ways, you know, and, uh, you know, I have this fascinating story that I wanted to share and, and I was listening to Bob when he was sharing that before we, we were meeting, right? I have this, you know, uh, a client that, uh, and I'll, comp uh, you know, uh, kind of cover up the information. So she, uh, is, is been through a really horrible complex trauma lifestyle, you know, been through just a ton. Right. And, and I remember in terms of her saying something just a few weeks ago, that was, was one of those moments. Right. So she talked about that the only time that how her system survived her childhood and her childhood was incredibly awful was that it would go into the, into the shower and just sit there and shake and cry and, and just, you know, go through all of this. And, 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 and that's still what happens when her system gets too overwhelmed mm -hmm. is that she will go into the shower and turn on the water and just cry and stuff. And it's the only place that she can do that, you know, but her body knew how to do that. And it created that, right. It, it, like I did, you know, like I'm the, you know, I'm the brain spotter, right? And we've done hundreds of brain spotting sessions, but it still relies upon that more than it does, you know, on brain spotting, you know? And I think that that, uh, so I guess in response to, you know, I think, you know, is, are, are the things that we're doing in aid of that or are the things that we're doing, you know, kind of uh, uh, just kind of adding this, you know, kind of uh, industrious layer on top of it is, is really, you know, to me, a good question. Mm. Yeah, I, I love you going backwards. Uh, I, I was thinking of uh, writing a book here and there, and I'm still thinking about it. And one of the things I got hung up on all these rewords, like remembering, rediscovering, you know, re is like literally going back to 1947, the, the concept of going backwards. And, and even more specifically with plant medicines, the thing that I'm discovering in my body all the time is like, let's take the word love you talked about. It's like a mutual thing we all talk about and we all kind of have a mutual idea that we think we know what we're talking to each other about it. And if you spend more than two minutes breaking it down, really we have no clue what we're really communicating to each other. So this process of uncoupling, like what we have is an idea about and uncoupling what's really happening. Like when I feel love, you know, I feel warmness here. Uh, you know, my voice changes, you know, I move a little more fluid, you know, I, I have a sensation in my body. So you're uncoupling kind of the, you know, yeah, I have a lot of love. Well, actually, I'm not sure you do. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of love right now, you know, maybe for myself, I'm experiencing something. So that process of uncoupling, and I think plant medicines may have along with meditation too, a way to uncouple some of those automatic associations we've been getting at. Mm. And that uncoupling process can be very helpful when mm. it's held. 
in a way. Um, and in some ways, by you going back to 1947 or whatever, you're, you're actually uncoupling a little bit. You're like, oh, we made automatic assumptions in 2022, but are those really real? Let's go back another, let's go back. And so you, it's that rediscovery uncoupling process that I think is really fascinating when it comes into my body. Ah, oh, that feels lovely. Yeah. That feels lovely hearing that. And um, yeah, it just feels like such a gift to, to for three men to be able to sit together and talk about love. It is just really <laughs> totally. yeah. Yeah. And to feel it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to feel it, yeah, without that being driven out that we can still do that and you know and feel safe doing that it's so lovely in itself and you know you both got such beautiful energy and gentle humility it just feels like I could sit with you all day I know we've got to come to the end in a moment maybe we'll follow up and and, and have another conversation uh, in, in time that would be really really nice but it's just a gift to, to hear the kind of work you're doing and coming into such a beautiful thoughtful in you know sort of really insightful place but but in doing so not not letting that sabotage also the kind of the the deeper work and the the sensations and these and the resonance and those kind of beautiful parts that kind of make the work so powerful uh, I love what you're doing and is it if there's any um I'll put any links down below that people want to check out your websites and any of the great work that lots of the great work that you're doing so they can, oh, that can be available we can keep updating that. that as we go because it sounds like there's a lot being done but still um, there's a lot being in information at the moment right. yeah so just uh, thank you both for your time and oh yeah it was an absolute pleasure thank you absolute so much Marcus. Yeah. It's, it's so it's so nice to spend time with you and yeah. thanks for the invitation it was, a, it was a lot of fun and and it was a great opportunity just to 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 slow down and and to to reflect upon some of these things so thank you so much for helping us on our journey oh it's great great to be part of it here's another reword there's a, a re-invitation to come back soon <laughs> <laughs> wonderful yeah i appreciate it yeah well i hope you enjoyed listening to that episode and if you're curious to find out more about this guest of the show then please see their links below thank you for joining me for or in trauma until next time bye bye